With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral, simpler communications. This holiday season, Lexus wants you to remember. Nothing feels as good as making others feel good. Those so-called feel-good holiday films? They can't hold a gingerbread-scented candle to the feeling of giving them something that gives them all the feels. Make this December one to remember. Together. Click the banner to discover more. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Welcome to the MLB Daily Podcast, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. My name is Brandon Karam. Alongside me is L.J. LaFiora, and we are a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We are what they aren't. L.J., how are we doing? Very clean open, Brandon. I am doing pretty good today. Got the great privilege to talk to Luke Lyon from Ole Miss today. Had a little uh, quick chat with him to work on an article for Belly Up Sports. We're going to try to get him on in the next week or so. And again, great guy. One of the nicest guys I've met in a while. And really just a great player from everything I've seen so far. So definitely give a look out for him Uh Keep your eyes peeled for that article in the next five days or so. Well, on today's show, we are going to start it off by going over our AL Silver Slugger Award winners right now. This is going on with the theme of how we are going through all the awards at uh, what is pretty close to the midpoint of the season. Most also, teams- at a, also at a snail's pace. <laughs> yes. Uh well, also because the longer we take, then the more insight we can get on the games, which is mm. 100% why we're setting it up like this and not because we just talk about too much random 
craft to actually get through it all in one episode. But that's besides the point. Uh, LJ, I believe every team now has played, what, pretty close to 60, at least 60. Or is it 70 now? At least 70 for almost everyone. Yeah, I believe it's getting close to 70. More of the thing I look for is 200 at-bats for most mm-hmm. players that are playing semi-regularly. So that really, I think, is the most indicative thing towards the team season is are the guys that are going to be playing a lot of time for you once they've gotten through about 200 at-bats, you know what you've got out of them and what you're going to get going forward. All right, well, let's start it off. Uh, LJ, so do, do we want to start with catcher and then we'll work our way through around the diamond? Um, yeah, but do we want to group some together? Why don't we just do infield, outfield? All right. Or do you want to uh, do catcher, DH, infield, outfield? Yeah, sure. That makes sense. All right, um, so um, for catcher. Yeah, catcher, I, I do have just a quick comment on catcher. Okay. Is this possibly the weakest catcher year you've seen in a while? It's the weakest that I can remember. I think, I think it's pretty bad every year, and we're just we just have a little bit of recency bias. Uh, all the offensive numbers are down this year, so that's going to make catcher, which is the worst hitting spot, look worse. But uh, yeah, but I also feel I like a lot of guys have. I think the top part of the catcher class has been good, especially some of these guys who don't unnecessarily qualify for the league leaderboards, but have still had like over 70 plate appearances. That's what I'm using. I think 70 is a fair amount, especially for, for catchers because uh, you know, you're not playing every day. Uh, and there's some really good uh, uh, catchers on this list here. Uh, so I'd yeah, say well, the actually, top part is very I, good. I will also say that I think is an even more startling factor because granted it's not easy to qualify but like you're not starting to see some of these good ones until we get down in the 125s put 125 plate appearances like it just feels like based on the numbers I'm seeing right now they're doing more and more catcher by committee throughout the league because the offense is going so low. Like there's not enough guys that are making it worthwhile. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're seeing that some teams have that one catcher who is a really good framer and really good uh, defensively. And those guys historically have been horrific hitters. Mm. And then some teams do have a better hitting catcher. Uh, I think the Yankees is a pretty good example of that, even though Gary has, had a positive defensive impact this year, like he does every year. He advanced the defensive stats, love him. But yeah, LJ, who did you go with for your your silver slugger? I, there's a guy who I think we both uh, are going to end up picking. Yeah, I don't think it's really close, to be honest. No. With you. Um, this, this award goes to Salvador Perez. It's not close for me. Granted, he doesn't walk, strikes out a fair amount. However... He is certainly pacing this group, lapping this group even, in terms of what he's doing in the amount of time he's doing it. Like, this isn't like he, he's not some 25-year-old catcher either. I mean, granted, he's like, thir- I think he's 30, 31. He's 31. 31. That's not old, 
but that's certainly not young for a catcher to be putting in 67 games already this year. Like, like he, he, he probably shouldn't be leading the AL in games caught when you have other guys, younger guys. Well, around- it's 67 total games. He's caught 52 and has been the DH 16. Regardless, that's 67 games out of what we we're talking about, like 70 games that he's played in. Oh, yeah. No matter what. I mean, you give, you give Stanton a lot of junk about walking up to the plate, swinging three times, or watching three balls go by, and then walking back to the dugout. But, like, it's, it's tiresome. Mentally, it's tiresome. But regardless of that, not only has he been one of the best hitting catchers in terms of average this year and beyond, over the past two years, he is lapping the field from a home runs perspective. He's currently got 17 right now, which is good enough to give him a four home run lead on Mike Zanino, the next best power hitting catcher. I mean, like when, the more you look into it, I think he he had a good margin too. I think it was like he's up like 14 on the next best catcher after his 2020 season. Like he he led catchers by a wide margin last year. He's he's easily the best hitting catcher right now as for dh my pick here you know it's gonna i'm gonna sound like a homer on a couple situations tonight however it's it's got to be jd to me and i know shohei we'll talk about him quite a bit today and he absolutely rakes do not get me wrong however what i look at when i see jd is almost otherworldly because of the outlook, the approach. The approach is so meticulous and looks so much more like the JD that has been raking for years than it did last year. He came back in a fiery rage. Granted, it has not been the best couple weeks of late. However, I'm not going to knock him for that because overall, everything he's doing at the plate seems to me to be solid and will carry over well long-term towards the season. So he will be my DH silver slugger. All right. Uh, for catcher, I'm going with Salvi Perez. Not a lot to comment on him. LJ hit the nail. Pretty good on him. Uh, it would be uh, if he would be in line to win this award again, it would be his third consecutive silver slugger award uh, and his fourth overall for my DH pick, uh, I'm going with Shohei Otani. And to me, this one's not even close. Uh, when you look at, all right, no, it's close. It's certainly close. But I think that Otani has been a much better hitter this year than uh, J.D. Martinez. And they've had a similar amount of plate appearances. Otani has eight more home runs. Uh, Otani also has 10 stolen bases and 50 RBIs to J.D. Martinez is 42, which surprises me that he's that low and well not that low but uh, only at 40 when we see some guys over 50 and to be in that potent of an offense hitting in a prime spot for RBIs uh yeah you know but certainly nothing against JD Martinez who's having a fantastic year I just think that what Otani's been doing I mean you you look at his average exit velocity 
some of that stuff. And he's right up there with some of the best players in the league. In terms of a Woba standpoint, Shohei is above a 400, which only Vladdy Jr., uh, who qualifies for a DH also, but I'm not going to put him there. Uh, only he has a, a, a Woba over 400. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Shohei Otani uh, for my DH pick. Uh, yeah, I think with the DHs this year, not only is it fairly tight in some regards, some or some situations not, but I think either of these guys can go on such runs more so compared to any other position where like if we're talking about it as a two, maybe you throw somebody like Nelson Cruz in there to, or Jordan Alvarez to make this a three-horse race and every single one of them could make a run into the win- winning this um, award at some point over any month's stretch. Like I think these guys are going to end up being tight enough where a couple good weeks could tip the needle for the majority of the season. All right. For infield, would you like me to go first or you? Yeah, so let's do corner infielders and then we'll do a middle infielders. I think that if we do two positions at a time. Yeah. Uh, but Okay. Yeah, you go ahead. All right. Uh, first base, uh, I kind of gave this one away in the last one, but I think that this one is the other one that uh, is – not close to me, uh, but I'm going to touch on the guy who uh, is in second place also. So Vladdy Jr. gets the silver slugger for first base. Uh, 194 weighted runs created plus is just insane. Uh, up over four war now. He just, I don't understand how his walk rate went up and his strikeout rate just keeps going down. I mean, for a power hitter, this guy does not strike out. And he decided not to strike out. The greats can decide not to strike out. Yeah. We it, know that. Just He has such control of every at-bat that it's just very scary to watch uh, him hit against your team. Thank God the Yankees get him to hit into a triple play the other night. But, I mean – just absolutely raking this year. The guy that's in second place is Matt Olson, who went yard against the Yankees tonight. But uh, is LJ, is it fair to say Matt Olson is the, if not the most underrated, one of the most underrated players in the leagues over the past, uh, really since 2017, I guess. I mean, since 2017, this guy has a 135 OPS plus and is averaging 42 home runs a year over a 162-game span. I mean, he absolutely rakes. And because he plays in Oakland, West Coast, and a small market is just the ultimate, uh, you know, bad luck for a, for a spot to be a, a star because – he does everything that you could ask out of your first baseman. Very good uh, defensively as well in the past. So, yeah, we're going to go Vladdy, but had to give an honorable mention to Matt Olson. And then for third? Yeah, on to third base. Uh, let me get my page to load here. 
so I can see the it's stats. Two, it's, another, it's another two horse race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just wanted to, I like to have the stats in front of me here. All right. Third base, we are going to go with Rafael Devers. Uh, partially because I've always kind of liked this guy, even though I'm a Yankees fan. And I, you know, you might be saying, like, Brandon, like you're constantly crapping on his fielding. And it's like, yes, but he's kind of like the Glaber Torres of the Red Sox in a way where just you kind of don't mind what they do in the field because you know that they're going to step up to the plate and rake. And yeah, exactly, especially because like with both of them too, to draw that comparison a little further, uh, sorry to interrupt you there. Oh, you're good. Um, both of them, their fielding is good until it isn't. They can make the routine plays. No, sometimes. they no, they can't. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes. they they usually make some. They they either will whiff. There'll be day, a day where they will whiff on every hard play, and make all the routine plays, or they'll make every hard play and be like 50-50 on the routine ones. Yeah, you know, you just kind of live with it. You know, you certainly in the moment during the games you can get frustrated, but. I mean, watching Devers hit, he made a big stride from last year. Uh, LJ, this was one of the guys that you were saying, you know, was 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 going to have a big turnaround. Uh, he, if I remember last year, he had a really bad start to the season. No. Yeah, he uh, had some training issues with the whole pandemic mm. stuff. He was one of those guys. Uh, didn't come in and nearly in shape enough, so that's why you didn't see him turn around the bat around until late August, early November, or early September. Well, he's certainly having his best season ever, I would say, in the bigs this year. Uh, and just absolutely crushing the ball. Uh, OPS is up in the 900s, which you love to see. Uh, way to runs created plus at 143. Just really nice uh, asset for the Red Sox. And going to be fun to watch him hit in the future because he's so young. All right. Well, yeah, again, Brandon covered things fairly well over at first base. But a thing that I really focused on going through all of these numbers and figuring out who I was going to give this award to, obviously I'm giving it to Vladdy because he's he's worlds better than than Matt Olson. However, first off, both of the mats in Oakland will always be overlooked. And it's such a shame because I, I had no I had no clue that Matt Olson was doing this. Like, I've been consistently mentioning him driving in runs. However, it never got put in perspective for me until I saw it here. But what, so what really stands out to me and the final decision to make it not even close for me is when you look at the walk percentage and the strikeout percentage. Those two things really are, in my opinion, the things that define an impact player. Like, again, it's one of the oldest uh, thoughts in baseball. Good things happen when you put the ball in play, when you get yourself in play, when you get things moving. You can't do that if you're striking out. Not only is Vladi have a better strikeout percentage than he should for the amount of power he's hitting for. But he also is walking considerably more than Matt Olson, getting himself on base, getting him in a position where good things can happen. So 
overall, he's just making way more winning plays than Olsen. Yeah, I, don't, the- I don't uh, just just real quick thing about Vladdy. I don't know if you saw, but uh, there's a chart and it's Vladdy's career OPS plus on one gra- on one axis and the other axis axis is his ground ball percentage and since the start of his career his ground ball percentage has gradually gone down and his OPS plus has gradually gone up so he's just elevating and celebrating (laughs) um yeah so third base I'm also going to go Rafi Devers this guy Brandon put it as best as you can he hits the ball really freaking hard a lot. Not, we're talking 99th percentile in hard hit percentage with the 94th percentage in average exit velocity is unreal numbers, unreal power numbers the entire time he's been here. If, if he could make consistent contact with the ball and have, have good pitch selection. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible, signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. He'd be an MVP candidate regardless of his defense. Like, he would be absolutely unreal if you put together the amount of barrels he puts together, the amount of hard hits he gets, and then have him not swinging at balls would be amazing. But that that put that aside and look at just what he's producing because that other stuff doesn't matter for this award. He's clearly he is the better hitter here between Jose Ramirez and Raf, and Rafael Devers. It's it's still close, though. I mean, we're talking about fractions of points here and there in terms of on base. In terms of slugging, it's a little farther in Rafi's favor. However, I want to see him win it. I really do. As a Red Sox fan, I'm all for it. However, if I had to say right now, I think Jose Ramirez will win it. I'm giving it, to, I'm giving it at the pre- midseason mark. I'm giving it to Rafael Devers. However, I'm concerned of a Jose Ramirez late year push. Like it feels like that happens a lot of years. I'm not, I don't have those numbers. 
but it's just a feeling I remember from Jose Ramirez that does he usually have good back halves? Am I going crazy with that? No, I I feel like the thing with him is that he's gonna always be up there with the war numbers because he plays good good defense and he's a fantastic base runner. Whether or not you know you count base running into silver slugger award is you know up up for debate whether you do no. or not. Um, I think we could see a situation. We should give out the bronze base runner this year. Yeah, that would, that would be interesting. Even though, like, the way that they calculate base running runs is just like really boring. Like, it's stuff that you wouldn't even like think matters, and it's just like, oh, but oh no, we we'd figure it out on our own. We we can make our own system. We don't need there. But I think we can see a situation where Ramirez beats out Devers in WAR by potentially like a full or one and a half wins, but they still give it to, to Devers because of yeah. the offensive season. That uh, uh, Again, this is about offense purely. I just, I'm just concerned because, again, Jose Ramirez is, just like Rafael Devers, one of the best talents in the league. But he's been very – he's almost been quiet about it this year, maybe a little too quiet about it. It's even, even compared, no, but even compared to other years, it feels like since he had those heartbreaking 13th and or 12th and 13th homers where he got to whatever the number was, and then Acuna hit a home run about a half hour later to put him no yeah. longer in the lead. Since then, there hasn't been a peep about it. So I have a feeling that if he gets hot for like a couple of weeks late in the season – the Jose Ramirez hype train is going to start choo-chooing again and take this away. But I'm all, I'm all here for Rafi Devers. All right. Uh, middle infield, second base, and shortstop. Uh, for second base, I had a hard time choosing, but I'm going oh, go, to go with Jose Altuve. Uh, has really stepped it up in a big way uh, in these – really in june i mean his may was really good june he has kept it up uh with over a thousand ops in the month and it was tough to pick between him and marcus simeon uh it honestly ended up coming down to you know hard hit percentage that kind of stuff i want the guy who's hitting the ball hard and is not striking out a lot Marcus Simeon, 45th percentile for K percentage, 56th for walk percentage. Meanwhile, Jose Altuve in the 90th percentile for K percentage and 61st in walk percentage. Not to mention, he doesn't swing at that many bad pitches with percentage in the 85th percentile. So, yeah, we're going to go with Jose Altuve for the second base silver slugger. And then as for the shortstop, uh, this one also tough. Uh, you know, you have Xander Bogarts in there. You have Carlos Correa. Uh, you have Bo Bichette. But I think I'm going to have to go with uh, – hmm, wow, this is tough. It is, it, it is a close one. See, so actually I'm going to talk through it. So we have Xander Bogarts versus Carlos Correa here. Carlos Correa walks more and strikes out less than, than Bogarts. However, hits for a lesser average. 
they have the same on base percentage and then a Bogarts kills him in slugging percentage. You know, I think I'm going to have to go with, with Xander Bogarts. Uh, short, what I like the more walks and less strikeouts from Carlos Correa. Yeah. But I'm fine with a, like a 19% K percentage really isn't that bad. And when you think about it, one out of every five at bats or plate appearances, excuse me, is not terrible. And what Xander Bogarts has been doing this year is really impressive. Uh, already up over 40 RBIs, 13 homers, hitting 321, which I only think there's 10 guys maybe that are hitting over 300 this year. So, yeah, and this is a guy who had the game-winning hit in the game that I attended. So we'll go Xander Bogarts and Jose Altuve for the middle spots. Yeah, honestly, I didn't think this was nearly as close either of these as you made them out to be here. Um, Yes, again, I know the peripherals aren't the best here between Correa and Bogarts. They're both very good shortstops. Probably the second and third. Yes, yes. Maybe first. Maybe maybe a first, second, third, depending on how much you love Tatis. Um in the in the entire league are the among these two. But what Xander Bogarts is doing, it's pure production. It is a matter of pure production that he is a fair, more than a fair share over him from a power perspective. And that's really what decided it for me. I can look past that all if you're going to have the production that Xander Bogarts has had, the production in the big moments, also the just, you know, the bias. Um, <laughs> but as for second base, this was even easier than Correa and Bogarts here. I also went with Altuve. Marcus Simeon does not do it for me here. We're talking about, between the two of them, very comparable numbers here. Almost the same batting average, almost the same on base. Altuve beats him out a little bit in both of those, and Altuve's got better power. More so, he's, again, we talked about the impact here, way more of an impact guy. He's walking more, striking out less, a lot less. And I am struggling to figure out why he's only stole two bases. If this is a um, modern baseball thing of just the no one, yeah, he's take, he's attempted to steal three times this year. This is a guy with 83rd percentile in sprint speed. He's top 10 in bolts currently. Um, I don't I don't really see a reason you're not sending him more. Again, I know I'm more pro sto- stolen base than a lot of people. I frankly would say that Miles Straw should also be running more than he has. But overall, I think that narrows it out because that's really the one area that Marcus Simeon separates himself. And to me, it's irrelevant because I think I'd, l- I'd rather have Jose Altuve on the bases than Simeon. As for outfield, I will take over for these as we skim on through left field, center field, and right field. Um, left field, I was kind of shocked of how great a year Michael Brantley's had. A very underrated year, to say the least. I'm gonna, again, that can happen when you're on the best offense in baseball by a wide, wide margin. 
in the Houston Astros. And you've got guys like Correa and Altuve we've already talked about here. We barely name-dropped Jordan Alvarez among the DHs. And Michael Brantley's out here with a 342 batting average. That's got to lead the league, right? Uh, I think he's down to like 335 now. Uh, but as to the league leader, it was who was it? It was Castellanos. We have I haven't done the the leaderboards in seems like forever because uh, I missed the show the other day and then we didn't do it yesterday. Uh, but yeah, I'd say pretty close. I I know Jesse Winker's up there too. Again, yeah, this is just this is a very impressive season coming out here from Michael Brantley coming off of going into free agency last year and somehow separates himself in an outfield, which has a lot of guys that have done a lot of good things. You got Teoscar Hernandez from Toronto, who granted strikes out a lot. You were seeing a lot, a lot of high strikeout, low walk guys in the, in these outfield positions across the board this year, which is a little frustrating. More so the low walk. That's thing. how it always is, though. I mean, no, if no, you're no, no, but like, fielder, you're expected to just hit for power and the strikeouts are going to be there. No, I know, but like, I feel like there's been a lot of just high contact outfielders this year, too. Like, again, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of guys here that I feel like could be doing better if they tried for more power, I'm going to try, but like, yeah, and Michael Brantley is the, the easy answer here. Center field has to go to Cedric Mullins. I mean, he's been the, the brightest spot easily for this Baltimore team since the John Means no hitter. Ever since then, like he's taking the mantle from John Means so he didn't have to bear that full burden. But uh, anyway, yeah, I think overall he is a pretty easy choice there. And then right field, I'm going to go Aaron Judge. You know, one of the best players in the league. Shouldn't be a shock that he is up at the top of these leaderboards. You know, I mean, 15 home runs. Uh, that's about, I'd say, close to the lead of guys that you'd consider right fielders. Mitch Haniger at 16, Aaron Judge at 15. I mean. I don't see much difference, and I think Aaron Judge has more to give. There's more in the tank down the stretch. All right. Uh, for left field, I'm going with Mark Canna of the Oakland Athletics, another extremely underrated player in his own right. And since 2018, a guy with an, an, another guy with over a 130 OPS plus, uh, 838 OPS and averaging 26 homers and 75 RBIs over that span. Here's a guy like, you know, LJ and I were just talking about high strikeout outfielders. Well, he is not that. He strikes, he's in the 58th percentile of K percentage, 82nd percentile walk percentage, and the A's were using this guy in the leadoff spot tonight. He's a really good hitter. I mean, he works the count. He swings at pitches out of the zone and still makes hard contact on them, fouls them off, and is a tough out at the top of the order. He has some power in there and is just a really, really good player. And I think that it's time that he gets a little bit of recognition. In 2019, 
Uh, he put up a 900 OPS, a 148 OPS plus. He didn't get a single MVP vote, no all-star selection, nothing. I mean, this is this guy has to be the best player. Put up some of the best stats to not get uh, MVP votes. Center field, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how how valid this one is, but can I pick Mike Trout? Like he's played almost 40 games. He's played just a. He's played a little more than half the games, and has if, been. If more he's productive. qualified, yes. He Honestly, that, that's what I. That's I what I've been going with. Ever, everything but catcher. So the thing is, I don't think that Trout is qualified. He is not. But I would say that he's been more more valuable in those games than uh, than Cedric Mullins has in seventy games. Cedric Mullins has been the Thomas the Train Engine carrying the Baltimore to any respectable amount of runs scored. Um, oh. Honestly, I would say use your judgment here because I don't think there's any real worth to picking anyone for positions that have legitimate players at them. I mean, catchers, of course, an exception. But I don't see if you think he will be qualified by the end of the year, I would say, or close to qualified by the end of the year, I'd say yes. But, oh yeah, absolutely. He'll be he'll be close to qualified by the, the end of the year. Uh, he said that he's going to return to to baseball activities this week. So, uh, hopefully, he gets a couple games in prior to the All Star break. But uh, you know what? I'm gonna all right. We'll go Mike Trout. But if I had to pick a qualified person, it's going to be Cedric Mullins. Right field. Uh, Aaron Judge is my choice. Uh, talked about him at length on this show. You all know uh, my opinion on him. One of the best players in the league when he's healthy. He stayed healthy. He's played the most games on the Yankees this year out of any player. And uh, has been extraordinary this year. And this is not, uh, you know, anything against Kyle Tucker, Teoscar Hernandez, Mitch Hanniger, uh, even Joey Gallo up there. It's just Aaron Judge has been is really really good at baseball. You know Jared Walsh. Not sure how many games he has in right field now. Uh, I know that that's part of the reason why they got rid of Pujols was so that Walsh could play a little more in the outfield. All right, he's played 18 games, so not exactly qualified for that spot. Oh, but, he is. I mean, oh. he, he's technically qualified for the spot. He's an All eligible right, well, right fielder. I mean, he's been he's been crushing the ball too. So uh, honorable mention to him. But yeah, we'll go. Canna, uh, Trout slash slash Mullins, uh, Judge. But is that gonna do it for the? That's gonna do it. We're gonna move on in to another one of our a game in which starred one of our Silver Sluggers here today. This Angels Tigers game, which was a lot of Angels throughout this game. They saw quite a few of them. Scoring started in the bottom of the second with Keen Wong single in this game we get home runs from Luis Rangifo, Shohei Otani, Jared Walsh, and then in the bottom of the eighth, Shohei Otani sends another out to make this an 11 to 2 ball game. The Angels win this one 11 to 3. Give the win to Alex Cobb. He went five and two-thirds, allowing three hits, no earned runs, eight strikeouts. The loss goes to Jose Urania. 
He went four and a third, allowing seven hits, seven earned runs, and four strikeouts with three home runs. Um, fantastic day for Shohei Otani, as we will talk about in a minute or so. Uh, he basically just called his shot earlier with the announcement of his home run derby participation. In other news in this game, Justin Upton somehow manages managed to get to first base with a moth. It was probably the easiest take he's ever had in base, baseball. Basically what happened is right as the pitcher was about to release the ball, this moth came flying down to the field, went right up to his lips. He flinched, backs up out of the box, and the ball goes right in the dirt. So it was probably one of the best taken balls he's ever had in his MLB career, and he got to go go to first base in a game. So props to him. But, yeah, Shohei. Uh, yeah, he announces that he'll be in the home run derby uh, in Colorado, which is going to be one of the most exciting home run derbies ever. Uh, if they were ever to bring back the 2019 baseballs, uh, this is the perfect spot to do it. Home metal run bats. derby in Coors. Metal you know, bats. Metal bats. Let's not let's not use the humidifier for the balls, so we can just like. Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. What is stopping the MLB from from doing that? Like, tell me who wouldn't want to see 600 feet home runs at Coors? Like, the amount of people that would immediately turn in and like th- think that 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 baseball was the greatest sport ever when they're watching this. LJ, would... we need metal bats. We need more kids in the outfield. And having Shohei Otani do the home run derby. Uh, I mean. On a serious note, fantastic for the sport uh, that we're going to be able to – that's the one night where we can showcase talent uh, and, you know, in a, in a very fun light. You can talk at length about the guys without being too bogged down by an actual game uh, that's yes, going yeah, on. Yeah, I love it. And it's going to be awesome to see Otani out there. I can't wait to see who else is joining him. Hopefully we get Vladdy Jr. or Stanton. Uh, I know Judge said he's not doing it unless the All-Star game is in New York. So what are yeah. your thoughts on that, Brandon? Because well, be the one year that he did it, he won it, and then it screwed up his swing for the rest of the year. So okay. I would rather him He won't need it by he won't need his swing by the all-star game anyways. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
no, but awesome for the sport that Otani's doing it. Uh, it's going to be really cool. Yeah, and then again, when a guy like Otani announces and announces so early, he's going to pull at least one other big name, I have a feeling. Yeah. Like, it's like that whole, like, you know, the theory of, like, if you put somebody who's great, if you put, like, a, like if, you, if, if there was a superhero out there, all of a sudden people with ridiculous technology and aspirations are going to come. Like, greatness breeds competition is, I guess, what I'm trying to say here. So if we can get Vladdy and or Tatis, I mean, that would be incredible. No, you know what I want? I want Alonzo and I want Vladdy back. I would like to see Pete Alonzo do it. I mean, there's, I'd like to see Adelise Garcia. I just actually learned how to pronounce his name correctly. Uh, I'd like to see him do it. I mean, he's been, he's been mashing. Acuna would be fun. Acuna uh, would be fun. No, Acuna wouldn't be fun. We've seen it already. He's yeah, because... No. We've seen him hit 500-foot home runs in SunTrust or Truist, whatever it's called now, the Braves Park. I want to see how far these guys could could hit it at Coors. No, because basically, and we saw it a couple years ago when he did the home run derby. Oh, that's right. I forgot he already did it once. Yeah, Acuna is basically just a line drive hitter that hits it really hard and it happens to go out. Like he doesn't have a home quote unquote home run swing, so he's he, he's relatively ineffective in these. He's not swinging for the fences. No, it's just, he hits the ball ridiculously hard in the air and it just goes a million feet. But he's no. not like a Stanton who is well. I guess Stan doesn't even try to swing for the fences. He just tries to hit the ball as hard as he can. Like who's a guy who steps up there and like you can tell like. I guess Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo. <laughs> yeah, like Joey Gallo is just like, I'm selling out for the home run. And it's cool, but that's not what Acuna does. And that's why it doesn't work in the in the derby. No. So honestly, though, I, I the more I think about it, the more I really – I need to see Alonzo versus Guerrero again. Yeah. Give me round two. That bad. would make me very happy. I will also never be mad. At Jock Peterson again? Hey, why not? Bryce Harper. Oh, yeah. The more Bryce, the better, in my opinion. Also, what other guys would be interesting? Byron Buxton. If Byron Buxton could get healthy in time, again, you talk about Trout being able to come back. If he were to hypothetically come back a little bit beforehand and feel comfortable doing, doing the derby, again, it's way too much of a push because he would have to actually be able to like get invited. And that would mean he'd have to be back like next week, probably, but that would be a pipe dream. If Nelson Cruz make goes to the home run derby and I'm, I am betting on him to win. Like that is such a good bet in my, in in my mind, he's built for the home run derby. Mm. I mean, that would be fun because he's a guy who just, hits nukes and course is going to be really interesting I, I i'm excited for the all-star weekend you know what would also be cool what's that what if we got aaron Otto back in there like that's a guy who can who can still rake in and course. then all of a sudden you have him back in course for this after getting okay. traded that would be fresh 
But I believe it is about time yeah. to move on let's, to our Let's next. run through the rest of the game so we don't have you guys forever today. Uh, Indians and Pirates. This one was a high-scoring one. The Pirates take a 6-0 lead through the first three innings thanks to a, a, a basis-clearing double from Jacob Stallings, a Gregory Polanco homer, and a Brian Reynolds homer at 6-0 after three. The Indians uh, then get a run on a Cesar Hernandez single, but Pittsburgh piles it on in the sixth. They get a bases-loaded walk, a bases-loaded hit-by-pitch, and then a key Brian Hayes bases-loaded three-run double. It's 11-1 Pittsburgh. However, the Indians in the seventh stage quite the comeback. Josh Naylor, RBI single, it's 11-2. Renee Rivera, RBI single, it's 11-3. Cesar Hernandez steps up. Grand slam. The Pirates now lead only 11-7. Top eight, Renee Rivera steps up. And he has, with the, with the bases loaded, he gets a single that scores two runs. Center fielder Brian Reynolds makes an error. A third run comes in, and it's 11-10 Pirates now. The Pirates up 11-1 at one point during the game. The Indians come back. It's 11-10. The Pirates bring on their closer, Richard Rodriguez, in the ninth. He shuts them down. Pirates escape with an 11-10 victory, uh, I believe, to break their losing streak. Uh, just crazy game in Pittsburgh and, and 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 one of our friends got the uh the the privilege of uh covering the game today down there so yeah actually what a, that, that that's our uh you mean our informant from the Pittsburgh Post our informant yes yeah well um, you you can go ahead what do you call it yeah I was talking about this the other day when you weren't on I believe they were at 10 games. They were just like three games behind Arizona. So I'm like, I, I was really starting to worry for this, this Pittsburgh team, because could you imagine if Arizona had won and we're like, Oh, the losing streaks over. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you look and you've got Pittsburgh at 12, a 12 game losing streak after Arizona lost it at 14. And then there was just all of a sudden another guy to wait to, uh, root against especially with uh another game we talked about we're going to talk about a little later breaking another long losing streak there's really only one left yeah <laughs> there's only one bad losing streak remaining well you can give the win to chad cool six innings one earned four k's the loss to john carlos mejia who or i guess he's going by jc mejia now interesting all right uh, five innings, six earned, uh, three strikeouts for him. Richard Rodriguez gets his eighth save on the year. And next up, we have the Phillies and the Giants. This one taking place in San Francisco. And the top of the first, Odubel Herrera leads it off with a solo home run. It's one nothing Phillies. Bottom two, though, the Giants take the lead. They get a Jason Bossler RBI single to tie it, a Lamonte Wade RBI double to take the lead, and then they score a third run on a pass ball. They're up 3-1 to one after two innings. 
Andrew McCutcheon ties the game in the fourth with a two-run bomb of his own. But then bottom four, Lamonte Wade triple that scores a run. And then in the fifth, Brandon Belt homers. The Giants go on to win five to three. Johnny Cueto takes the win, six innings, three earned, and five strikeouts. The loss to Vince Velasquez, four innings, three earned, two strikeouts. And Jake McGee uh, gets his 14th save on the season. All right. Well, Brandon, I can bet you that I can finish the rest of mine in under a minute 30 each. So we can get our nice brief, get everything we want out of this game and get on through. Cause next up we've got the Royals and the Red Sox scoring starts in favor of Boston with an RBI single by Alex Verdugo in the bottom of the third, but this game pretty much came down to the bottom of the third, I should say where Nick Pavetta, allows two runners on and then Alberto Mondesi ends up sending his fourth home run out of the ballpark. And unfortunately this one went to the, basically to the moon. It went about 464 or something like that out to right field. It makes this a three, one game and they tack on two more runs late, including a Salvador Perez home run. And in this loss, Raphael Devers hits his 17th piss missile as they fall to the Royals five to three. Give the win to Chris Bubich, who came in after Zimmer's opener. He went two and two thirds, allowing two earned runs. The loss goes to Nick Pavetta. He went five innings, allowing six hits, three earned runs, and six strikeouts. Not really a bad start. I'm not going to complain with five, uh, three over five. The save goes to Greg Holland. He's fourth save of the season. All right. Well, A's and Yankees will also be a quick recap here. Uh, Honestly, a pretty boring game. Top one, Matt Olson goes yard, 19th homer of the year. Oakland takes a 1-0 lead. Mark Canna, I told you this guy was good. RBI single, top three, and it's 2-0 Oakland. Bottom of that inning, DJ LeMahieu. Two-run bomb, and we're tied at two. In the bottom of the fifth, Rugnet Odor pimps a home run, his seventh of the year. Yankees take a 3-2 lead. In the sixth, the Yankees uh, bring on Wandy Peralta, or they have him come out for a second inning. He is the lefty specialist. Facing a lefty, Tony Kemp, he allows a three-run home run the A's take the lead 5-3, to three, and they go on to win by that score. Tony Kemp's home run off of Wandy Peralta came on a 2-2 pitch. Uh, entering tonight in his career, Kemp had one extra base hit in 97 plate appearances when uh, two strikes were on and facing a left-handed pitcher. So just I, I feel bad for, for Wandy because I, I don't know feel like you don't when you have a lefty specialist you don't bring them out for a second inning that's especially if you're going to bring in another lefty right after them if you're going to I just you know certainly not one of the smarter moves in in my mind but the win to James Caprillion who pitched very good tonight five and two thirds three hits three earned runs in seven Ks. This guy's going to be a really good pitcher. I mean, he was, he's got nasty stuff. I believe he's pitched now versus Yankees and Red Sox. So we both got to see him. The loss to Wandy Peralta, inning in a third, three hits, three earned runs, 
off. And Jameson Tyon, four and two-thirds, two earned, five strikeouts for him. Lou Trevino, 12th save on the year. Yankees have lost five in a row at home. And the A's have now won seven in a row. Well, as I was talking about with in terms of making an end to a losing streak and also somehow continuing the second most embarrassing losing streak in the league right now, we've got the Orioles and the Blue Jays. Bottom of the first, and Cedric Mullins goes yard for his 10th home run of the year. The Blue Jays aren't able to score until the top of the fifth, but that's quickly erased. And then a bottom of the eighth, which saw five runs go on the board, including Cedric Mullins' second home run of the game, puts Baltimore out to a 7-1 lead, and that will be the final score. Give the win to Tyler Wells out of the bullpen, and then the loss will go to Robbie Ray. He went four and a third, allowing two earned runs and five strikeouts for Toronto. And yeah, that's about it. Toronto. Great, day, great day for uh yeah it's exactly great day for um Cedric Mullins Toronto's now lost five straight they're three and seven in their last 10 this is kind of embarrassing for a team that once literally a week ago maybe yeah going into that Red Sox series you were like if they can have a strong week they're right in contention for the AL East and then they went they split that series in Boston, they lose in terrible fashion to the Yankees and then end up continuing to drop games to a team like Baltimore. That's not, that's not a recipe for success. Certainly not. All right. Nationals and Mets. This one's going to be very quick. Both teams work scoreless through the eighth inning top nine. The Mets bring on, or excuse me, the Nationals bring on Edwin, or holy crap. The Nationals bring on Brad Hand, and he works a scoreless inning. Bottom nine now, we're still scoreless at zero. That's what that means, Brandon. The Mets bring on Edwin Diaz, and he does not get an out. He walks Juan Soto allows a single to Ryan Zimmerman, and then Jan Gomes comes through with the walk-off single. The Nationals win one nothing. The win to Brad Hand. Eric Fetty, seven innings, two hits. The only two hits the Mets get all day. No runs, four walks, and six Ks for him. Joey Lucchese, five and a third, four hits. No earned, five Ks for the Mets. Edwin Diaz takes the loss, fails to record an out. Two hits, one earned run, and a walk. You're up next. Oh, it is me once again. With the Reds and the Padres, this was the last game to finish tonight. And it got started off in the first. Tommy Pham goes yard for his sixth home run of the year. And then in the second, Will Myers hits his seventh of the year. And San Diego has a 2-0 lead after two innings. Top three, Jesse Winker, RBI single. Cincinnati's on the board, and they trail 2-1. Manny Machado with a sack fly in the third. It's 3-1 San Diego. Kyle Farmer gets the Reds back into it with a single. And they trail by one at 3-2. Will Myers then goes deep 
again. Fourth inning, his second of the game. And Tatis comes through with an RBI single. They lead 5-2 to two at that point. Cronenworth, Jake Cronenworth, that is, with a double in the seventh. And then Trent, Trent Grisham with a double in the eighth uh, to score runs. And the Padres win 8-2 to two over the Reds. Chris Paddock with the win, five innings, six hits, two earned, and 11 strikeouts. The loss to, uh, who is this guy? Tony Santillan of Cincinnati, three innings, four hits, three earned, and three strikeouts for him. All right, next up, we've got the Twins and the Rangers. The Twins are able to put up three in the top of the first, including RBIs from Nelson Cruz, Max Kepler, and Ryan Jeffers. It'll take until the bottom of the fourth for the Rangers to tie that up. And then Trevor Larnick and Adolis Garcia trade home runs in the middle innings, and this will end up setting, sending us to extras. Following a Luis Arias RBI triple scoring the Manfred runner, control issues became the name of the game here for Josh Spores as he walks in two runs. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The Rangers are able to put in the inherited runner in the 10th, but no more as they lose this one 7-5 to the Twins. Give the win to Hansel Robles out of the bullpen. Jose Barrios went six innings, allowing three earned runs and six strikeouts today. Mike Fultonevich started this one for Texas, going five innings, allowing four earned runs and four strikeouts for them. The loss will go to Josh Spores who pitched two-thirds of an inning, allowing two earned runs and two strikeouts. The save goes to Tyler Duffy. Braves and Cardinals. Atlanta scores nine in the first four innings. They got them from an Austin Riley RBI single, William Contreras home run, Ozzy Albies home run, and then RBI singles from Freddie Freeman, Ozzy Albies, Abraham Almonte. Max Freed, bases loaded, walk, pitchers who have plate discipline. We love to see it. Braves win 9-1. to Max Freed, seven innings, two hits, one earned run, and six strikeouts. Nice start from him. Carlos Martinez takes the loss. Three innings, eight hits, eight earned. And the Cardinals lose yet another one now. They have been struggling as of late. Now at 35 and 35 with a negative 39 run differential. LJ, their expected win loss is 31 and 39 right now. This is not the look you want for a team that you were kind of expecting to be amongst the top in the National League to begin with. I mean, you were talking about, hey, if they get hot at the right time, they could play with the Dodgers, they could play with the Mets, but there's they'd be lucky at this point with the way they're playing to win their own division. And that seemed like a lock to us that they were going to win the NL Central. I remember we 
brought on um oh, I'm forgetting oh well Lucas Smith to talk about the Cardinals and I mean coming from a Cardinals fan he was saying like it was pretty much NL Central title or bust for them this year after trading for Arenado and and bringing back Wayne Wright and Yachty. So yeah, this is just it's just so it doesn't feel like this team should be having the struggles they're having here. I mean, thirty five and thirty three or not thirty five thirty five and thirty five. I mean, granted, no one expected Chicago, but everyone expected Cincinnati's offense to at least be competent. Milwaukee's pitching to be good, them to be kind of hanging around there, but no one to really have like a standout record. They should be able to compete with this. They should be able to at least be close to where Milwaukee is right now. They should be at least within two games of Chicago at the top. I mean, granted, I mean, no one saw Chicago coming. Chicago's played like the best team in this division this season, but they should be somewhere near there in the same zip code, at least. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you told me that the reds were 35 and 33 at this point in the season, I'd be like, okay, like I can see that. Like we certainly projected them as like a middle of the pack team. But if you told me that the Cardinals were, would be 35 and 35, I mean, I'd be like, you know, what happened? And really their issue has been the offense. I mean, I've been reading a lot on Twitter. People are not happy with this offense. They want a hitting coach fire. They want something because 28th in batting average, 24th in OPS, 18th in home runs, 20th in runs scored. They're just not getting runners home. And with the amount of pieces they have on this offense, I don't get it. Tyler O'Neill's been good. Tom they've got, they've got not bad. Like all these hitters are good and they have decent stats. They're just not scoring runs. If you're at minimum four or five deep with really good players, you should be able to be better than what this team has been so far this year. Absolutely. All right. Next up, we got the White Sox and the Astros in the top of the first Jose Abreu gets this game started with an RBI single, and then this won't get tied up until the bottom of the fifth as Martin Maldonado walks in Jordan Alvarez with the bases loaded. This will this score will hold us until the bottom of the ninth when with runners on, Jordan Alvarez rips a double to right field, fielded by Jake Lamb, but it will be unable to get home in time to stop the runner, and Houston takes another one from Chicago here, continuing to impress everyone despite whatever the A's are doing against other teams right now. They are playing, and they feel to me to be the best team in the league this second. Uh, The win will go to Ryan Presley. The loss will go to Garrett Crochet. Luis Garcia went seven innings, allowing one earned run in Eight strikeouts. Carlos Rodon got the start for Chicago, going seven innings, allowing three hits, one earned, and eight strikeouts. Uh, once again, yeah, amazing how Houston's able. Houston pulls out all of these wins because they 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 know deep down and they are good enough to. All right, uh, on to the Marlins and the Cubs. Jock Peterson homers in the first. 
his 10th of the year, and the Cubs are up one nothing. But then the Marlins score five in the third. They get a bases loaded walk from Starling Marte, and then Adam Duvall with a grand salami, 13th homer of the year, certainly has a lot of RBIs this year as well. And the Marlins take a 5-1 lead. Jock Peterson goes yard again in the third, now his 11th homer on the year, but those are the only two runs the Cubs scored up until that point and for the entire game. Spoiler alert, John Birdie home run, three-run bomb for him in the sixth. Marlins take an 8-2 lead, and then Adam Duvall with a two-run piece of his own in the seventh. Marlins go on to win 10-2. The win to John Curtis in relief for the Marlins. The loss to Zach Davies of the Cubs. Six innings, seven hits, eight earned, three walks, and two strikeouts. Next up, we've got the Mariners and the Rays in the top of the first. Yandy Diaz is able to ground out but still drive in a run to put Tampa up early. Unfortunately, that will be the only run they receive on this day as their five hits are only able to equate to just that in the bottom of the first with the game already tied Jake Bowers hits an RBI single to make this 2-1 and Seattle goes on to win this one at a score of 5-1 to give the win to Yusei Kikuchi he went seven innings allowing one earned run and six strikeouts the loss goes to Michael Waka. He went three and two-thirds, allowing 11 hits, five earned runs, and two strikeouts here. This Tampa team continues to fall apart. It's That injury is just been killer for them. And I mean, and his, his spot in the rotation hasn't even come up. I mean, unless today was it. It's either today or tomorrow. Today or tomorrow, yeah. Like, but – it's it it's got that's got to be that's the only thing that could have possibly changed morale rise wise right that and you know it's with the way that they were playing you know i i think with just like taking a look at their team talent wise i think that they were playing at a bit of an unsustainable pace there for a little bit uh and now that they lost glass now, you know, there's going to be a point during the summer where we're going to say that the Rays are back in it at some point. You know, I don't think that they're out of it. Yeah, they're on a they're on a tough stretch right now, but they are certainly going to be in this race the entire way. I don't think that I don't think that they uh, that they just bow out because of the injury. No, no, no. I never think I would never think that they would bow out. I still think like uh, I would still say they've got a very good shot to win this division without, even if he never returns. However, it's just a startling, even if granted, I agree with you, the offense was overperforming, but like it or not, this team knows how to win games. Yeah. Like even if the offense production isn't there, they figured out the pitching's good enough to do that. And it has been since then that so the wheels have fallen off of at least someone. Today it was the lineup. The last couple of days it has been whoever started the game. The day before, yes, actually yesterday, it's more specifically, it was one of the relievers. The first time that anyone had 
had a lot of earned runs in like a week. And they fall apart there to lose games. They're going out of their way to lose games now. It's just, it's startling. It's jarring. All right. Brandon, bring us home. I will bring us home. Rockies and Brewers first. And Rymel Tapia gets us started with an RBI single. Rockies take a 1-0 lead. Luis Urias, his eighth homer of the year, were tied up at one. Jackie Bradley Jr. with a two-RBI double for the Brewers. They take a 3-1 lead. And then Daniel Vogelback's able to drive home a run thanks to a fielding error by Ryan McMahon, and the Brewers are up 4-1 to one after the top of the fifth inning. The bottom of that inning, Trevor Story with a sack fly to pull Colorado within two. The next inning, when Colorado's hitting, Jonathan Daza with an RBI double to make it 4-3, and then Garrett Hampson ties it with an RBI double of his own, and we're tied at four after six innings. Bottom seven, Brendan Rodgers doubles. The Rockies take a 5-4 lead, but not until Willie Adamas with an RBI double of his own on the top of the ninth to tie it at five. We go to extra innings, top 10. The Brewers unable to do anything. In the bottom of the 10th, uh, Devin Williams comes on replacing Josh Hader and allows an, a walk-off single to the first battery faces. The Rockies win 6-5 to five and have now won five games in a row. Yes, you heard that right. Colorado is hot, baby. Five in a row. They beat Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns on back-to-back days. And, I mean, this is their best franchise accomplishment since they won that playoff series a few years back or since they won that wildcard game against the Cubs a few years back. Uh, Coolish Chachin gets the win, pitches the top of the 10th inning for Colorado. Devin Williams takes the loss. Corbin Burns, five and a third, eight hits, four earned and six Ks. Antonio Sensatella, six innings, three earned, four Ks. All right, last game, the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers, certainly the worst team that the Diamondbacks could see on their schedule uh, after this stretch they've been on. But they're at home, so uh, it's not that they can't win these games. uh, But the Dodgers were scoreless until the top of the eighth where Steven Souza Jr. steps up and rips a solo home run. And that puts the Dodgers up one nothing. Mookie Betts then with a sack fly to make it 2 nothing, And then Justin Turner, or excuse me, uh, Justin Turner hitting, and the Dodgers are able to score a run on a balk. So it's 3 nothing there, and that's your final score. The win to Trevor Bauer, seven innings, three hits, no earned, eight Ks. Uh, you could clearly tell that he was not using any sort of substance tonight as his spin rate on his fastball was down 341 RPMs from his season average. His break on his fastball was a uh, horizontal break was down by three inches. Uh, it's just, you know, jarring numbers there to just see what this stuff does to, to a fastball. I mean, three inches off of your fastball movement is, is pretty crazy. Uh, but very nice start from him. Seven innings. 
no three hits, no earned, eight Ks. He's now seven and five on the year, another quality start. The loss to Joe Mantaplee out of the Arizona bullpen. Caleb Smith got the start. Six innings, one hit, no earned, five Ks. LJ, one point during this year, you said we would never talk about Caleb Smith again. Six innings, one hit against the, the Dodgers is a very nice outing for uh, him. That's We will never about- talk about Caleb Smith again. <laughs> Kenley Jansen, 17th save on the year. And the Diamondbacks have now lost 15 games in a row. They have a run differential of negative 100. This is by far my favorite story in baseball right now. I mean, it, it, probably, it, it probably does sound really mean. However, I don't care. I genuinely don't because I, I, I can't remember seeing a team collapse and look so pathetic, nearly as pathetic as this team does right now. And they're doing it in a way that still is kind of going like flying under the radar if that makes any sense, because like you look at that record and you think, how could anything go like that? This team was two games above 500 at the end of April. And they were able to start May with just not sucking just enough that no one really cared. And then all of a sudden they string together 15 consecutive losses and whatever it is over the last 20. And it's just an absolute mess. And I just, I continue to be marveled by it every time. Let's try to find some interesting splits here. Where are they worst? Against teams above 500, they are 9 and 35. So they Whoa. just cannot be a good team. Brandon, you haven't found the best one here. Oh. They're 3 and 15 against lefty starting pitching. That is wow. Well, to be They're fair, they're zero and seven against the AL. Not good against the West. The West, just in general, six and twenty-one. Tough. They're nine and thirty-one on grass fields. They should stop playing on. <laughs> they should stop playing on grass and at night because they're twelve and thirty-six at night. Is twelve and thirty-six better than yeah? They they have eight wins in day games and they're eight and fifteen, and they're twelve and thirty six in night games. LJ, I think the other one that's really interesting in one run games, they're two and fifteen. They've lost fifteen one run games this year. That is too many one run games to be to be in. First of all. And losing that many. I mean, the Mets, who have barely played any games, it seems, they're 14 and 11 in one run games. Like, that is a ridiculous, that's 25 games that they've had that have been separated by one run. That's why they have such a bad run, run on differential because they're just, they're just scraping by everyone. I was like, how can they be 35 and 27 and only be at plus 21? But. Yeah. All right. I think that about wraps things up today. Brandon yeah, we actually did part. pretty good on time. Uh, I think we're around an hour and 20 right now, so not terrible. But thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. We really appreciate the support. 
every single day. Thank you for actually making us the number one podcast last week at Belly Up Sports. Uh, huge accomplishment for, for us. Uh, yeah, really cool to be number one in terms of impressions. So keep up doing what you guys do. Share the podcast around anyone who's a baseball fan. Uh, would absolutely enjoy it. But yeah, thank you for listening. Be sure to play our daily trivia game on the Twitter at MLB Daily Pod and follow LJ and I on Twitter. He's at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora and I'm at Brandon underscore Karam. All right. Thank you for listening. We will see you tomorrow. See you manana. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.